Yeah. Thank you, Larry. You're translating? Good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God's merciful and kind and good just all the time. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding today. You could break through the hardness of our hearts and minds and our own understanding. That your word would have preeminence and rule in our lives. That your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be glorified in the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're dismissed. Everybody's going, yay, praise God. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Well, I was thinking during worship again, it's a, you know, good to remind ourselves of what God is speaking to us. So it's important to remember, happy birthday. Remember, God is, is pouring out His grace on you for no reason other than that's His nature. We're not deserving of His love. We're not even deserving of His love after that He puts it upon us. We're not loved or saved because we're lovable or savable. We're loved and saved because that's who God is. And He pours out His nature. And He wants to show forth that nature and purpose through the church. And that, so He pours out His love that we also, in Christ's place, the Bible talks about, we could be calling people to repentance and be testifying of the goodness of God. Not preaching ourselves, but preaching Jesus Christ. And we're just His servants. But a servant should be faithful. A servant should be one that is carrying out the heart of his master. And as the Bible goes, you know, into some great length, especially in the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's easy to become weary and well-doing. It's easy to forget from whence we were called and whence we were hewn. And it's easy to grow weary in service. And it's easy to turn back to the things of the earth which would be ourselves. Jesus Christ saved us. The Bible talks about He saved us from our empty and vain lives. He saved us from the, the traditions of the heathen, of the Gentile, that we should no longer walk as other Gentiles in the vanity of our mind, or we should no longer walk in the emptiness of our old life, but we should understand that there is a purpose and that there is a God, and we are His servants, and we should be serving Him. But the statistics show, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, that about one out of ten will come back and say thank you. Most of us will go on to live our own life in spite of, or actually because of, what God has done in our life. I can actually live a more productive life now because of what Jesus, Jesus intervened in my life and without me having to serve Him. The children of Israel lived a far better life out of Egypt, even though they became unthankful, did not glorify God because of God's intervention into their life. But I believe it's God's desire that we should be yoked with Him. I believe there's, there's, that we should be His friends. And I mean that in a sense that Jesus says it. And it's an interesting thing. I think about friends a lot. You know, friends should be some people that kind of like to copy one another, kind of like to do things together, kind of like to spark off one another. They don't just tolerate one another. 
They don't just like, you know. Remember, friends used to come over to your house to spend the night. Friends used to have the same interests. And I believe that's, that's what we should do. In another way, it says it in, in, a, in, a, in a more particular way. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So as we're beginning this morning, I think it's good to testify of the grace of God and the kindness of God. And remember, it's good to have a birthday. It's good to have a birthday. And we, we're here celebrating the Lord, but I'm wondering how the rest of the week went. Were we walking... Were we walking with the Lord? Were we carrying out the Father's heart? Were we servants with Him? Were we glorifying God? Were we allowing faith to operate? And I believe that's where God really wants to meet us is in the realm of walking with Him here in this earth. What does it mean to do that? How do we, you know, actually exercise faith? So we're, we're going to be looking at that. But I got something in my mind. I, I just need to share it so I can so I can clear my head. You know, I'm just most of the time I don't realize how blessed I am um, because you know the hardness of our own heart. We just try to walk in the flesh. We don't realize that we're a new creation and God is good all the time, and that we're no longer just walking in an empty life, having our own purpose. See, not see, not not that people don't have a purpose. They have a purpose other than God, and it's so easy to fall back in that. That's many times why we draw back. We usually don't draw. We just draw back to ourselves. We draw back to another purpose. Not letting God we sang that song, Jesus, we enthrone you. Well, that means we're putting him on the throne saying, Lord, whatever you want, I will do. Well, it's easy. Now, remember we, we, we read that scripture a couple, probably a couple months back where the master, the king went away to a far country. And he left all his goods in the hands of the steward. But they didn't want him to rule over them. They hated him. Oh, wow. Walking with Jesus is going to be, walking and allowing God's purpose to be in our life is going to bring us face to face with the cross or death and or ourselves. And... You know, just having... How many people thought they would be more righteous ten years after they got saved? And how many people kind of maybe found out something different? Well, yeah. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. The, the, the well person has no need of the physician. But the more that God reveals His holiness and His purpose... There's something else that also is revealed. Paul talks about when the law came, what happened to him? He died. He died because he saw that something that he couldn't do. And the more and more when we get when we walk in with the Lord, our need for him not should not become less and less. It should be more and more. And I should be running back to him saying thank you and serving him more and more. But the natural Tendency in the stories of the Scripture, children of Israel, the ten lepers, the servants that you know start eating and drinking and going back, is that we just become weary. Our minds get tired. That's why we don't rely on our feelings or our minds. We have to rely on faith according to the revelation of the Word of God. And so, again, my whole mindset needs to be changed. 
And again, as we get older, that's a harder and harder thing to do because it just seems like we learn lessons in life, but they're not the right lessons. They're not the right lessons. They're the lessons that I could have... See, Jesus could have got to the point of saying, I'm tired of being kicked around and come up with a different conclusion. He could have said, I'm tired of having these people not believe me and come up with a different conclusion. I'm tired of being abused. I'm tired of being used. I'm tired of being misunderstood. I'm tired of... Well, he says he was tempted in all points like as we are. There was a place to where he came, to where he could have just... He had a choice. He understood his power. He had 12,000 legions of angels, or 12 legions of angels he could call down to do his own thing. You have the power to do your own thing. You have the power to just not come back and say thank you. You have the power of not to walk with him, but still remember him. But our fondness may turn not, not be fond after a while. So, with that in mind, Let's turn our Bibles to, boy, I don't know. Let's, turn, let's start in Philippians 2, even though we read that quite a bit. Yeah, we, we should start there. Now, again, it's not the hearer of the Word that's justified, but the doer. There's got to come the place to where, why am I here? Am I here just to hear another long-winded message? Somebody just rant and rave, do my duty, or am I here to receive something from God that I'm going to be able to practice in my life? That I'm able to actually bring and actually have my mind transformed. The Bible talks about having our minds transformed. It says that He washes from the vein, He washed our minds from dead works. Now, if our minds are not being transformed, then it's going to be impossible to be a servant that comes back and says, Thank you. We talked about last week, and we're going to continue to talk about, there are certain ideas, principles, teachings that God wants to speak to us, and they need to be woven into the fabric of my life so that I think those principles. I believe those principles, and in times of upheaval in my soul, which will be every day, those principles then will keep me. See, the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, if I rely on myself and my own understanding, very easy for me to go astray. Very, but now when I have the Word of God and the church and God's principles that now are in me, I go, I am very clearly faced with a choice. If this is what I see, this is what I feel, this is what I think, but this now is what the teachings of God are. Oh, which one? See, then at that point, I have a very clear thing. Will I enthrone Him as King? This I must do. See, then in that I can find joy. Not always is it right away, but I must come back to again practicing God's Word. See, I was thinking about training your soul. That's an area that I have never really done well in. And I'm starting to see, boy, you know, that's really a shame. But the, why would you have to train your soul, I'm thinking? See, it's not like, okay, train your soul. Well, your soul doesn't want to be trained. Your soul doesn't want to do what God wants to do. Your soul wants to be, do what it wants to do, doesn't want to obey, doesn't want to listen, wants to do... So I need to train it, and not only train it to do those things, but train it to worship God in those things. To train it to do the sign outside. Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. 
Oh, wait, I need to train my soul. Because sometimes things come into my life that I might interpret as not good. Oh, wait a minute. It's time to... Oh, wait a minute. Which one do I believe? Yep. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to look at that. Let's just start. Let's start in verse 1. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, and be like-minded. Now again, that comes down to a, a, a very strong principle in Scripture. You do not have to be like-minded to be saved. You don't have to be like-minded to come to church. But in order to fulfill the heart of God, God is, the Holy Spirit is speaking here through Paul's writings, be like-minded. There is a coming together that says, wait a minute, God has brought me here. There are certain things that He wants. See, it's like, even when I'm doing this. You know what dovetail joint is? Everybody know what it's pretty much familiar with a dovetail joint? It's a very strong way to joint wood. Wood doesn't grow like that. It doesn't just happen. It's very, I mean, they used to do that by hand. Now they have machines. It has to be very intricately fitted. But when it is, very strong. Be like-minded. Well, that's not going to happen automatically. You just can't say, okay, here's a piece of wood, here's a piece of wood. Oh. You ever just glue two pieces of wood together? You ever get those cheap drawers that are made out of stuff? You know, you get the little thing of glue. And they, they come apart in the next week or in the humidity in Arizona. They're not dovetailed. Now, if you have a dovetail and you try to break that, you'll probably break the drawers, right? Okay. You'll break the drawers before you break the dovetail. That's why we're going to go on to let the, the, the bond of unity endeavor to keep that. It's something the devil is going to hit. It's going to be something that will not come naturally. It's something I have to choose to let be worked in me, which has to be, in order to make, in order to make this from this, this has got to be taken out of the way. In order to make a dovetail strong, wood is actually taken out. You actually cut pieces out. Have you got some things in your life that might be in the way of unity? Oh. Oh, wait a minute. God, if you walk with the Lord, He's going to bring you to the cross. Let this mind... Okay, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord. I mean, how many ways is he going to say this? Let's move on. There's a reason. Jim used to say, if God says something once, it's important. Says it twice, you, you, you better really sit up and listen. Three times, I mean, now you go, and, 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 and this, this is one verse. He's now putting something, saying, this does not happen naturally. It's something that all the enemy's powers and he's going to put his emphasis on to not let work. Your soul is not going to want to do it. But this is the calling that he's saying, let this fulfill you my joy. I'm seeing something in God here. Be like-minded. Be of the same mind. Be of one accord. Well, something's got to go. It's you. See, when we talk about, you know... The more I find, the more I walk with you, he sent a song, Take Not Your Holy Spirit from Me. The, 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 the amazing and marvelous thing about that is God won't take His Holy Spirit from me. But I do would like you know, my heart to be renewed every day, which means I usually find out I'm a sinner every day. Now, 
I can either, you know, beat myself or just say I just there, or I can actually come and actually let him draw me closer through that. We don't want to stay there. So in order for me to come closer to Jesus, I'm usually re- being revealed something in my own life that needs to be cut out of the way. So I would just submit, you know, at this point, are you 90% like-minded? And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Let's just, you know, get to a reasonable point. 100% we'd all cop out and go, no. That's still unacceptable. See, if you've seen me, you've seen 89.6% of the Father. I died for 90% of your sins. The other 10% I guess you're going to pay for in hell. No, Jesus doesn't say that. The Word of God, His promises are yes, and in Him, amen. Well, same, it says now, He also wants, what is God's purpose? That He would be glorified in our lives, but that the life of Christ would be made manifest in our, remember the word? Or corruptible or mortal body. Where does God want to be glorified? When? Right now. You're not going to have a mortal body in heaven. That's a different thing. We're going to be changed into his uncorruptible body. There's going to be a different thing. There's not a, you know, I don't know if we're going to have a Bible in heaven. I'm not sure about that. I don't think so because when we see him, we'll be like him and he's going to be the temple and that's going to be the deal. So this book, if you want to hear me say it in a, in a kind of a, uh, a harsh way, is a carnal book or a book just here for this earth. Because when, we're going to, when we see him face to face, we're not going to need this. I'm going to have to say, Don, what does that scripture mean? We're not going to do that. We're going to say, oh, I'm going to be something. Now, that I don't know. We're going to have some stuff to do up there, but that's not, that's not my concern. This book is given for me, right? And for this mortal? Aha. Uh-huh. So it's to be practiced now, no matter how much needs to be cut away. No matter what needs to be given up. No matter whether I understand it or not, there's a foundational principle, uh, a a principle, yeah, a truth that comes into my life that says God must govern my life. Now, I must allow that to happen whether I, I'm talking about the natural man, like it or not, or no matter how I do that. Now, I believe as we go on with the Lord, there can be a joy that is set before us, but there's an enduring of the cross in this life because we have a new body. And we have to train our soul. Since sin has come in, every pleasure that I have has become perverted. See, so when I hear joy, I kind of think it's happy birthday every day. Every moment of the day. No, it's not. We're having a party. My son who was dead is now alive. Come six o'clock in the morning, I do expect the sheep to be taken care of. Same party. Can you hear it? His mind would have to be changed. See, because he thought that was no fun. He thought it would be better to live in the city. He thought wine, women, and song was the way to go. But he had a revelation. And sometimes revelation is enough to motivate us. Faithfulness and practicing the Word will keep us. That's why we have to run the race with patience. And and as we read the Word, sometimes if we don't train our soul and really allow God to speak to us, we actually read it carnally. See, whenever we read the Word, there's not a whole lot of this excitement gospel message. 
Most of it's like, run the race with patience. Endure suffering as a good soldier. And then we complain, like, well, what's going on here? Well, that's the way it's... Keep your body under. You know, those kind of things. Well, God's ways are not our ways. We have fallen so far from God that even when we hear His Word, we misinterpret it. We're to run the race with patience. Don't get weary in well-doing. Arm yourself with that mind. There's got to be a running of the race until it's finished. And like I said, after running 30 years, 20 years, is there any joy left? Or is there, I'm just tired of doing it. I don't see any change. I don't want to sacrifice anymore. Dovetails, we'll just glue it together. It's too much work. It's easy. See, sometimes as we grow, we don't actually get closer to the Lord. The natural tendency the natural tendency, as a matter of fact, there's a law about this, isn't there? The natural, the law, what would be that law? The second law of thermonuclear dynamics? You like when I talk like that? He's like, illuminate. <laughs> the second law of thermonuclear dynamics is one of Einstein, right? Was it Einstein? Newton? He made the figs. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't, no, who was that? I thought it was Einstein. No, well, it was one of the smart guys. Because it's one of the great truths that all science now is built on. The second law of thermonuclear dynamics means everything, basically, I'm, I, I don't want to you know, bore you with how much I know. Everything, <laughs> everything in the universe is winding down. It doesn't get better naturally. It gets worse. So what is working in you? There's another law Paul talks about that work. We have a law of grace. We have a law of faith. We have a law of the resurrection and the salvation of Jesus Christ. But that's not a natural law. That's a heavenly law. There's one law that works in my members heavenly. There's another law that works in my members. There's a work you're naturally falling away from God. You're naturally going to get worse and worse. You're naturally going to get lazy. You're naturally going to get selfish. Now, the only way that can be overcome is by allowing the... In, now, this is what, remember, we've been given the incorruptible seed. Now, we, we talk about Jesus coming into our heart, the incorruptible seed, and that's true. But also what's true with seed is most seed does not germinate unless it's well looked after. We can actually receive the Word of God, as Jesus says, and it becomes unfruitful because we don't look after it. Well, I got Jesus in my heart. There's a sower who went out to sow, and the seed went everywhere. I mean, even naturally, how much seed? Do you ever see a farmer just throw it out and say, okay, praise God, my work is done. I've sown the seed. Jesus is in my heart. Much work takes to actually bring that seed to maturity. Same thing in us. The incorruptible seed is in you, but there's another law that works in our members. This one has to be put down or put off, and the new man, the incorruptible man, the heavenly man, the, the man of the resurrection, needs to be put on. Dovetailed. So I need to not think the old way, which would be easy, because na nature makes me do that. There's a law that will work in me, that if I am not pressing into the kingdom of God, not allowing my mind to be configured to his mind, then this mind, by default, takes over. That's why they have to, they, you know, no matter how good you build, they have to put 
every so many years they have to fix the roads. Why? Because naturally they break down. All right, so there's another law that works in our members, but there's a law that works by grace and the Holy Spirit. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Now again, this Bible is talking to us for what? For right now. In the situation you find yourself in, put in by God. Now, you might not like that situation. Jonah didn't care for it. But he still did it. Now, there's something good to be said about Jonah. He did it anyway. I think, I don't know how much credit that holds, but it's enough credit to get him in the Bible. <laughs> so Jonah does it anyway. And he basically says, I don't really want to do this. I don't like doing this. I don't like, you know, I just don't think you're fair, but he does it anyway. And even after all the miracles that he sees God does, he still never really has his soul trained, but he still does it. Now, I think there's something to be said for that. And, and I think Hebrews even taught, no chastening for the moment seems joyous, but will bring forth fruit, so we endure it. There's certain things that you should endure. I think that the greater thing would be we could endure it with joy, knowing that it's God. But nevertheless, do what God says. Amen? The liking is kind of like it's our emotional thing. It's in the wagon behind you. Just pull it along, it'll get there. Eventually, there's another birthday party. Eventually, you will do it. But do what God has asked. Don't let the wagon pull you. I pull the wagon. That's called training your soul. Now, see, we, we, that, that's, I'm still pulling the wagon. It would be nice for them to both get in the same vehicle, but sometimes they just don't. Okay. Fulfill you my joy, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, pride, we talked about. Where does contention come from? Only by pride, the Bible reveals. And what does God do to the proud? He resists them. Have you found yourself fighting against somebody? It may be the Lord. He may be resisting you because you're not, wait a minute, I'm not like-minded. I shall have my own deals. I don't do that. I'm not of one accord. You know, you need some dovetails in your life. Something's got to go. You may be entering into strife and vainglory, and you're not but in lowliness of mind. Now, I need to take on a posture. Humbleness of mind. I need to reduce myself. See, the Bible warns us about this, that every man proclaims his own way. Every man seems right in his own eyes. Every man, you know, thinks he's the, the bee's knees. But now he's actually speaking something here that's totally contrary to everything that we've ever learned in this world. Everything that ever in us rises up. But in lowliness of mind. Oh, I need to take on a different mindset about myself. Wait a minute. Not thinking, well, I'm right. No, lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than himself. Now that's rarely where I come from. I don't come from that place at all, naturally. First person that pops into my mind is me. Something goes wrong, it's my problem. I don't want to do it. I like this and that, that, that. Or I see, be dove to, I don't want to do that because that's going to cost me. Now, most of our strife, most of our unhappiness, most of our sadness always comes from sheerly a physical thing. I'm happy because 
I'm sad, I'm bummed out, I'm upset at the church because mostly a physical thing. It's not, it's something that upset me. And God is saying, in lowliness of mind, don't think about yourself like that. Take on a humble attitude that says, I want to esteem others better than myself. Well, we ultimately see, and it's going to go on to say, that's ultimately what drove the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not looking at his own gain or his own lack of gain or even his own emotional stability or instability. You are not going to be stable people internally all the time. And the more you walk with the Lord, I believe you will become more unstable. But Christ in you should be stable. And there's going to come things that just keep you there because they keep you there. You're going all over the place, but there are principles that if you allow them to come into your life, they start to govern your life, and pretty soon, whether you like it or not, there will be fruit following you. But if you leave the seed alone in the ground, most of the time it will not germinate. It, w- if it, it will not bring the fruit. It has to be looked at properly and carefully. And then it's an interesting thing, because the Bible is going to go on to talk about this. That one of the, the things that God really desires for the church and for our lives is to come to maturity. And we always think, oh, wouldn't that be nice to mature? And I began to think, what do you do with mature things? Most of the time you eat them, kill them, or they just die. <laughs> now, things that are overmature spoil. So we have to be picked at that right moment. And then we, we vacuum pack up for the ultimate nutrition. <laughs> so as we mature, it's not retirement. It's not laziness. Oh, well, now I'm mature. It's time to be harvest and to be used. The mature sheep, three years of age, that was mature for sacrifice. The wheat, when it's matured, gets sickled down. As we mature, what it's really saying is you have come into that lowliness of mind with Christ and you now are mature. We read Ephesians 5, 4. It's going to say that mature man empties himself and begins to look at the, esteems others better than himself, esteems the work of Christ and becomes a servant to the church and to the work of God and that's what he's been matured for. Not for, okay, well now I've attained no more trials, no more tribulation. If we deceive ourselves, it's going to be easy to kick back. Not run the race anymore thinking that after so much time I've now matured. No, you're spoiled. You're not being used for what God has for you. But the natural tendency, even Moses, now he got up there close to what? 120 years old? About that? 80? 120? Yeah, 120 years old. That's when he smote the rock and didn't speak to it. Now, I'm not blaming him. I wouldn't have even made it to the desert. But, God, I just always, you know, hallelujah. Okay. Yeah, God picks losers. He starts the book out in the Middle East. Bad place to go. Emotional, weird people. Yeah, that's where he's going to work. 
But don't worry, the gospel came to the Gentiles, and we made it milk toast. <laughs> We're great at that, you know, fabricating stuff. Yeah. Okay, that was just a side note. Don't let any be done through, vain, through strife or vainglory. We actually get that wrong. We actually sometimes think strife's a good thing. Let me just tell you how I feel. Oh, good. Now let's work on the dovetails. Zip, 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 zip. Good. It's good to have feelings. You wouldn't be a person if you had feelings. But most of them are wrong. And even if there are, aren't wrong, God may say, no, thank you. Don't want you to do that. I know Moses, I know secretly could probably kill every Egyptian. It's not my plan. I've got something else in store. And remember, God moving in your life is most of the time not going to look like what you think God moving in your life is. God moving in my life would be a birthday every day with more and more presents. Now, as we mature, something also happens with birthday parties. You really lose interest in them. Most people... Yeah, you really do. <laughs> going, no. Now, I always told people, don't buy me presents from my birthday party. Save it up so when I'm like, and I'm about that age now, and you guys haven't been doing a good job, just don't, you know, don't buy me the $20 this, the $10. I'm not going to appreciate it anyway. And save yourself some money. But don't forget me. It's been now many years. You haven't been buying me presents. I, w I would have said on my 50th birthday, but now since it hasn't happened, oh, on my 56th, I'll give you a little notice. When I'm 60, just buy me a bulldozer. All the $20 you had, just get me the bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really nice. Great. But anyway, where were we? We're talking about birthdays. Something happens as you mature. Birthdays become less important. You're not really looking forward to getting the party and the trinkets. Something else. Now, you still get old. You still have a birthday, but your interests change. Our excitement level. See, what we think is exciting, excitement doesn't keep you. Excitement can actually deceive you. Like I said, most of the things that we get excited about really have been perverted. Our excitement should be the Lord. But it's not, because I'm looking for some kind of, whoo, you know. And sometimes we just, you know, it's just not enough. Put your feelings in the wagon, put your excitement in the wagon, and keep waiting for the bulldozer. I've been disappointed for years. <laughs> so there's another maturity. There's another emotion or something that needs to come into our life. And it's going to talk about that in Ephesians 4. That we're no longer children. And it's important. And I think we, I think we do a fairly good job in our limited capacity with trying to teach the children not to be childish. The only problem is the adults are childish because we never gave up those childish things and engrafted Christ's uh, principles into our life. So we're only at a limited sense, if you understand what I'm saying. There's got to be something that says, oh, wait a minute. It's, I'm not teaching me. I'm teaching and instructing somebody else. Message. See, we're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Christ. We're not preaching, you know, you kids just annoy me, so shut up. There's a time for that. You know, it's not always good to be annoying. And there's, there's, in that, we do learn something. But we should be embracing. The Bible talks about an engrafted word. A word, now what engrafted means what? It's not naturally yours. It actually doesn't even belong to that same 
bush or tree. It comes from afar and it's engrafted in. There needs to be something that comes in. It's not going to be like you. Naturally, you're going to want to reject it. But let that come in and pretty soon, remember we talked about mistletoe? That mistletoe is going to, it's not satisfied just to be there. It wants to take over the whole tree. Now, if you never let that happen, we remain alone. We never fulfill God's purpose. We're never equipped to become mature, to become servants in the work of God. We never take on a mindset that Christ wants us to take on. But let every man... Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of other. Again, that's... What? What? You know, if I do that, people are going to take advantage of me. I did that once before and they, they ate my last pancake and I was you know, praying that God would let me have that pancake. And I've been in this church for 20 years and I, I never get my own. Well, hello sinner. You must be walking with the Lord to even understand that you are that wicked. See, the, the reason that the Holy Spirit is there is to reveal that sin in your life. I mean, I used to be selfish before. Before I was saved. I just didn't know it. Now that I've come to Jesus... I find the depths of selfishness and the depths of wickedness are so far beyond what I ever thought that now I can say, whoa, let, every man, let not every man look on his own things. Oh, wait a minute. That's my first consideration. How about when someone smacks you on your right cheek? That's, I don't do that. Someone try that, they're going to get what for. You know, I might give them the left cheek, but after that, they, you know. No, wait a minute. That's what the Bible is instructing me to do. I must then change. I must look at... Now, in order to do that, see, that's the heart of a servant. That's taking on the lowly mind that says, Lord, you are the master. You are right. Then what you're speaking, let that engraft in me and change my thinking and my behavior and my purpose in life. Now, it's ultimately going to fulfill here in this, let this mind be in you. Now, it's saying, allow this to take place. Now, okay, we'll continue here. It's interesting that it says, let. There's a song that we sing, I think it's in the Bible, it's actually a, a psalm. It says, let God arise. This isn't things you have to do, it's more things you don't do. See, let God arise. Let this mind be in you. Stop resisting it. Stop being stiff-necked. Stop being haughty in your mind. Stop not being lowly in your mind. Stop not being of one mind. It's simply getting the stuff out of the way that God will be who He is. Let God arise. What does that usually mean? Shut up and just don't do what you think you should do. And God will arise. Remember, we're learning to cease from our own works. Now, ceasing from your own works doesn't mean you shouldn't work. Sometimes ceasing from your own works will make you a better worker. Okay, now we're talking about this, this world stuff, which really is God's stuff. So, let this mind be in you. Oh, wait a minute. I need to allow it. Oh, I find that so hard. Can you agree with God in this particular moment right now? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I won't do this because it... But see, there's something in this mind already. Now, in order for this mind to go in there, something's going to happen, right? 
It's going to be something's going to have to spill out. We're going to. It's going to be a little messy. And there's going to be something removed and something added. Allow it. Not. I've already. Yeah, but God gave me this. That's very good. God sent Joseph into slavery. God sent Joseph to Potiphar's house. God sent Joseph to the prison. God sent. There's a continual, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that is pouring out into you. Allow it to go on. Let this mind be in you. Now, understand what he's speaking here. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of a man. And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself. See, he allowed himself to take that humble position. Now, in, in order to do that, there's something he did. Now, we're going to talk about that. And became obedient even to even the death, even the death of the cross. Now, I was reading something this morning, and one of the passages actually stood out to me very well. When we come to the Lord, and as a matter of fact, I think our Constitution actually starts out in a very, very bold and, and a truthful saying. Is it the Constitution or Declar- Declaration of Independence? We are endued by our Creator. Declaration? We are endued by our Creator by certain inalienable rights. That's a wonderful and true saying. However, you take any part of that out, particularly the Creator, the whole sentence and aim of that sentence goes askew. We, and again, if we focus only on this point, we will miss the greater purpose of God. That when we come to Christ, He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. We are the prodigal son and now we are the heir of all things. We have been taken from death unto life. When God comes into our life, when Jesus died for us and rose again from the dead, He gave us certain inalienable. That means they are unshakable. He gave you rights in the kingdom of God. And that's true. And this one verse here particularly illuminates this so well. When you take out God out of rights, you end up with what we have going on in America, that rights become an end into themselves. So I have the right now. I just might. Anyway, I won't get, oh, I'm going to get off on a tangent. We have the right now to curse at anybody we feel like. We have the right now to drive our bicycles naked. That's a wonderful thing. We have a right now to be this. We have a right to be homosexual. We have a right to kill babies. We have a right to be disrespectful. Well, that's right. You do. You have been given certain inalienable rights. But without God and God's purpose, your rights become a stench and a God unto themselves. Now, what the, the purpose of faith and what God is speaking to us here is Jesus had... God given. He was God. He had certain innumerable What's the word? Inalienable rights. <laughs> Faith exercised gives us a very godly quality that is not natural, cannot be naturally done. It would only be Christ working in you. And it's so repugnant that when I say it, you're not going to want to even hear it. And you're going to... Well, you'll hear it, but you won't 
take it to heart and say, oh, changing. See, when we see that he, had, he made himself of no reputation, he thought it not Robert he equaled God. He was in the form of God. He had all rights. And ultimately, what does his faith do? What does his life do? Faith exercises your right to waive your rights. That is what's missing in, the, in America today. We think rights are the end to themselves and it's like hell and the grave and death. There is no end. But faith in my Creator, faith in my Savior, faith in what God is doing and His purpose working in me gives me my rights. Whether I exercise them or not, I have certain unalienable rights as Jesus did. But His faith exercised allowed Him to not use His rights. He didn't think being God or having those rights was something He should grab hold of. And immediately we allow God to have His way. Let God arise. Let this mind be in you. Don't hold on to your rights. If you do, you're in fear of them. You have rights. They're not always to be exercised. As a matter of fact, it seems like in this earth, they're very rarely to be exercised. See, now, if we, don't, if we understand it only carnally, this book makes no sense. I was thinking about this this morning. See, now it makes it very clear in the, in the book of John, the, gospel, the book of John, says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. But while he was here on this earth, it doesn't appear that way. It seems like the devil ultimately won. He could have come down and said, okay, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on out here and wham and pump and set up his kingdom and got rid of all disease, all fat. Didn't do that. And many times we go around in life like that thinking we have power over the devil, and I think we do. I believe we do. It's an inalienable right that Jesus gave us. But what's a greater is God's purpose. And although it's not yet manifest what is there, we believe that to be true. But if we're not careful, we can get upset. Why is this happening? No. God is in control. And what He's really working in me, what His desire is that this mind would be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Now that I have I've been given everlasting life, now that I've been made the righteousness of God, now that I am free from sin, now that I can do anything that I want, what should I do? Lord, I, have, I give you all. I give you, I don't, my faith exercises my right not to exercise my rights. And it's going to look stupid. It'd be like Abraham. See, Abraham had a perfect right to tell Lot what to do. And he looked like a foolish old man. I think anybody looking around, <laughs> servants, he's going to get let, let Lot pick first? What a dope. No wonder he doesn't have any kids. Whatever it would be. But God says, F at him. That's what I'm looking for. It didn't appear. It looked like maybe the devil was winning. Looked like maybe he was getting taken advantage. That's of no importance to me, God says. I am working something in you that you don't completely understand. Do you believe me? And if you believe me, your faith exercised will show it by not holding on to your rights. Like Jesus. Oh, he had the rights. He had the power. He could have stopped at any time. But that's not what he was called to do. And he says, let that mind be in you also. If rights become, or right and wrong become the highest, 
in your life, then man becomes the center and not God. And that leads to all kinds of hellish doctrine. Leads you away from the cross. And that's exactly what we're facing in this culture and throughout the world and in our own lives because it just feels right. I have a right to eat of that tree and I think I should know as much as God and I don't know why God's keeping that from me and I think he's, you know, and well, I don't think I need to be put around like that and I think it's really stupid my brother sold me in slavery and I'm tired of being talked to like that and I'm tired, I think, of the church and I'm... Yes, you have a perfect right to that, but it's not faith. See, faith is not rights. Faith is not even exercising your rights. Faith actually would be not exercising your rights because you're seeing something you don't see clearly and you're moving by faith saying, Lord, okay, I'll put this in the wagon and I'm coming along and what happens is my mind is changed like a gear and it just click and the next time click and the next time click and pretty soon the mind of Christ is working in me. So instead of just having a birthday party once a week, we could actually say, oh, I think a certain way. And my life would show it. See, my, my, my attitudes would show it. My diligence would show it. So I want us, and we're going to begin to look at all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Because where did Jesus save us? Right here in this earth. He came to earth. How did he walk? He said, we perceived him to be the Son of God by the way he demonstrated and walked and lived amongst us. We, we talked with him, we touched him, we felt his agony. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. There is no way to exercise our faith or for our gospel to be preached except in this body and by the actions that we take in this body. And it's this book, this earthly book that has been given to us by God that says, oh, it's far more than earthly. Do you believe that? Oh. Well, I'd have to take on a different mindset. I must have to realize that being in unity and of the same mind is more important than my rights. My happiness comes secondary to God's purpose. My wanting to take a break when my house is dirty is not the right way to think. Oh, me spending money that doesn't belong to me, that's not a right thing. Oh, well, that's kind of stupid. Well, we're going to look at some stupid things today. Because, you know, I like the book of Ephesians. Ephesians goes on and, and it, it sums up, it's where, you know, it talks about apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, unto him be glory in the church. And it just goes on and on. And towards the end of chapter 4, it says, let him who steals steal no more. You wouldn't think you'd have to cover that after a wonderful... You think that'd be self-explanatory? Well, I think they had some thieves in, in the Ephesian church. Yeah, I mean, I could relate. You know, stealing was kind of fun. You don't have to work. It's kind of, it's kind of. Well, even the Bible says stolen bread is exciting. You know, we and again, if again we like, how many people are just bored? Anybody here bored serving God? Oh yeah, we just. How many people have ever said, I just want some excitement? Dangerous thought. Dangerous thought. You might want to go out and steal. Well, here's the revelation. Now, along with the revelation, happy birthday. Don't steal. Oh. You've got some other things to say there. See, now, do we hear that as the, on the... We, many, we don't hear things on the same level. We are the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Don't steal. Well, we've been washed from our sins. Be obedient to your parents. Well, 
The glorious message of the gospel has been hidden in earthen vessels and is Jesus is going to be manifest in the church. Obey them and have the rule over you. We don't believe that. No, no, no. See, that's a different... But it's, in my Bible, it's all printed the same. Things just hit me differently. And I'm so used to not being of lowliness of mind and having my own opinion... And see, the, the world, especially, we are living in such wicked times. The world is making us to be not, in, not codependent or working together. I was just thinking about this. It came to me in... in, in now it, most, most people, if you work anywhere, you get a pension. And if you do get a pension, I, I think I paid into Social Security, I'm wanting to get that back. You know, um, I would have rather not wanted to pay into it and take care of myself. But understand, these things, all things that are no, don't come from God... Will, see, there's a saying in the Bible that says, all things work together for the good to them that love God, because he's, it's from God. I think no matter how good something is in the world, it always works together for the bad. Public education, they thought, wow, that's a wonderful thing. We'll educate everybody in America. One of the worst things that ever happened. And, and the, the evidence of that is now being seen. Oh, we, and the unions and striking, wonderful thing. And I'm, not, I'm not for abuse. Anyway, and be like, oh, we got to get a pension. Well, you've sold something for that. See, it allows you to be independent in your old age, saying somebody else owes me. No, I don't want that. I don't want to owe somebody else anything. I don't want somebody else to dictate to my life. Well, now, you know, if we don't elect so and so, they're going to cut off my Social Security. Good! I would give up my Social Security today if they abolished it. It's hard to say because it's money. Now, that was just commentary. But beware, because sometimes we're looking for a pension in the church. It ain't coming. When you're 75, I still want some bricks. Still want to run the race. But the pension mentality... The retirement mentality. The society owes me. I've paid in. I've got to get. Makes me independent. And I don't need to be responsible to anybody because they're going to pay me. And if they don't pay me, then I'm going to elect somebody who will pay me. Well, that's not, that's not the message of the Bible. Amen? So, with that, we've got letting this mind be in you. Letting, giving up... Let me just sum this up. Faith exercises your right to waive your rights. It's allowing God to arise. It's allowing another mentality to come in and turn the gears of your life. If that never happens, you've got the clutch in. Anybody know what a clutch is? I don't even know if they make cars like that anymore. You have to engage. You have to take care of the incorruptible seed. Many times I think we're like, we're sitting in church. We're not going anywhere. You've got the clutch in. The clutch is the doing that says, oh, my life is now changed. I take on a different mindset. Yeah, don't burn the clutch. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, we're hopefully next week we're going to start in Ephesians 4, and I believe it to be 
a great clearing of God's purpose in our lives because there's some really wonderful things in there that relate to other parts in the scripture that actually relate to you in changing. Now, you don't have to change. You don't have to run the race. You are the righteous. You have rights. And you can demand them of God. Anybody here ever demand anything from God? People say, man, I'm sick and I demand you to heal me and I don't know what. Well, you can do that. Yeah, I've done that many times. doesn't work. only makes me bitter, angry. How many people don't understand why certain things are happening in your life? How many, of you had a, how many people have another plan for your life? Yeah, I think we need a book burning. We need to come up here and just have your, your other plan burning. So, you know, It's always going to come. But in order for me to have God's purpose in my life, I have to take on a lowly mindset that says, oh, some... And, uh, Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. We've got to get to Ephesians. When you were young, this is what I started out with, putting away childish things. Childish people always want to be excited. Childish people always need to be doing something. Childish people need um, an event to happen. They're not being changed. Peter, when you were young, you did what you wanted. But now that you're mature and I want to harvest you, I want you to be the seed that sends the gospel out into all the world. I'm reaping you. Are you ready or you just want to become spoiled? It's now time to take on another mentality. Will you let somebody else bind you and take you? Will you allow that to take place? Simply reject your life and walk my way. And what's going to happen? Click. 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 That is the change that, or the care that waters that incorruptible seed in your life so it doesn't just remain a seed. It comes to maturity, and the life of Christ is being shown abroad and being preached to the ends of the earth. Amen? All right. Remember Ephesians 4 next week, inshallah. Okay. Amen and amen. We have got a picnic coming up. And the thing that was really on my mind now that we're done, I I was talking about the goodness of God this morning.